Welcome to NTD News Today. I'm Sue Biamba. Let's take a look at our top stories. A new report says in California, over 10 million ballots went unaccounted for during the midterms. Election officials also rejected almost another quarter million ballots. The report's authors blame the state's mail and ballot practice. The hunt for the California Dance Club shooter is over. Police found and surrounded the man they believe was responsible for the chaos. Find out what's known so far about him. What's better for kids? Natural immunity after a COVID infection or vaccination? We bring you the results of a new study. The America's water security under a threat. A growing number of foreign investors are now becoming owners of U.S. farmland and water resources. Over 10 million mail-in ballots in California reportedly went unaccounted for during the 2022 midterms. That's after the state implemented a law requiring every registered voter to automatically receive a ballot by mail. Here's more. The Public Interest Legal Foundation issued a report last week analyzing California's mail-in ballots during the 2022 midterms. The report found that almost 11 million ballots went unaccounted for. In 2021, California passed a bill requiring that ballots automatically be mailed to all active registered voters statewide. The bill was implemented in conjunction with the COVID-19 pandemic and made vote-by-mail ballots permanent for all elections. Regarding the unaccounted for ballots, the Public Interest Legal Foundation said, quote, Election officials do not know what happened to them. It is fair to assume that the bulk of these were ignored or ultimately thrown out by the intended recipients. But under mass mail elections, we can only assume what happened. The report further states that, in general, it's hard to find out what exactly happens to a ballot after it's sent out. The foundation's research also found that election officials rejected over 226,000 ballots in California. The most common reason was late-arriving ballots, accounting for almost half of all rejections. Other common reasons for rejection are missing signatures or signature mismatches. The foundation's president said on rejected ballots that there are many reasons mail ballots fail ultimately to count. No one casting a ballot at home can correct an error before it's too late. He added that California's vote-by-mail demonstration should serve as a warning to state legislators elsewhere. A spokesperson for California's Secretary of State commented on the report to the Daily Signal. The office confirmed the number of rejected ballots, adding they came from both the primary and the general elections. Here's an update on the Monterey Park shooting in California. The manhunt for the suspect who shot and killed 10 people at a dance club is over. Authorities found him dead inside a van yesterday. Police say he died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound. NTD's Jeremy Sandberg has more on what's known so far about the suspect. A SWAT team and bomb squad surrounded the suspect's white van in Torrance, California, Sunday morning. The standoff lasted for hours. A gunshot rang out when police got closer to the van and ordered the suspect to get out. The dead man inside was identified as 72-year-old Hu Can Tran. Investigators say several pieces of evidence found inside the van linked Tran to both Saturday's shooting at the Star Ballroom Dance Studio in Monterey Park and a thwarted attempt at another dance club nearby. Authorities say about a half hour after the attack in Monterey Park that left 10 people dead and 10 others injured, the gunman entered the Lai Lai Ballroom in Alhambra. People there managed to grab the gun away from him. He was disarmed by two community members who I consider to be heroes because they saved lives. This could have been much worse. Witnesses say the gunman escaped and drove away in a white van. 
That information, along with surveillance camera footage and the suspect's description, helped authorities track him down. Congresswoman Judy Chu assured the community it was now safe, but said many questions still need answers. Did he have a mental illness? Was he a domestic violence abuser? How did he get these guns? And was it through legal means or not? Tran's ex-wife says he was once a regular patron at the Monterey venue where she met him two decades ago. He used to give informal dance lessons there. The Los Angeles County Sheriff says the motive is still not clear. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Is natural immunity superior to vaccination against COVID-19 for children? That's what a new study is saying. NTD's Daniel Monahan shares the data with us. Researchers in North Carolina found that children with natural immunity were better protected from COVID-19 infection and hospitalization than children who were vaccinated. Children aged 5 to 11 with post-infection protection had about 88% protection against reinfection. That was compared to about 60% for those vaccinated. The protection remained higher over time until month 8. At that point, the protection from natural immunity among the unvaccinated was estimated to be about 19% and 22% for the vaccinated. A monovalent booster elevated protection for the vaccinated by just 24% after one month, dipping to about 19% after five months. A bivalent booster boosted protection by almost 77% after one month, but that number fell to about 47% after two months. 50% effectiveness is considered the threshold for an effective vaccine, according to the FDA and the World Health Organization. But researchers found that effectiveness of the shots remained above that bar for just one month. Meanwhile, on the risk side, some cardiologists are questioning the safety of the vaccines. Dr. Peter McCullough says that myocarditis is now at the level of 25,000 per million and rising. He says that it was about four cases per million pre-COVID. None of the vaccines are sufficiently safe nor effective to remain on the market. They should be pulled off the market. While Dr. Joseph Freeman says that the Omicron variant and subvariants are much less severe and able to evade much of the protection provided by vaccinations. In addition, now we have multiple autopsy studies that find essentially conclusive evidence that the vaccines are inducing sudden cardiac deaths. The CDC says that ongoing safety monitoring shows that COVID-19 vaccination continues to be safe for children. It adds that the risks of COVID-19 and possible severe complications outweigh the potential risks of having a rare adverse reaction to vaccination. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. As some states grapple with drought and a historic first, the White House last year flagged domestic water resources as a national security issue. What's threatening America's water supply? Let's take a closer look. Foreign interests are expanding their hold on U.S. water. This is coupled with an increase in foreign-owned agricultural acreage nationwide. According to the Department of Agriculture, over 37 million acres of pasture, timber, and farmland are now in the hands of outside businesses and nations. The amount is roughly the size of Iowa or Illinois. Canada and some European countries are the top buyers, but also on the list are Russia, Iran, and China. Among them, China's purchases of U.S. farmland went up 25-fold from 2010 to 2020. In the United States, landowners often have the right to use, sell, or divert water resources. 
Some welcomed the arrival of foreign investors in their deep pockets, citing aging public water pipes and government underfunding. But a senior official with California's resource management laid out his concerns to the Epoch Times. The official, who asked to have their name omitted, said foreign investors are manipulating domestic politics in ways that prioritize the commodification of farmland over things like sustainable use, clean food, and water quality. And new research suggests increased privatization in water utilities can lead to higher prices at the tap for residents. And there is a lack of transparency among private water companies. A Government Accountability Office report from 2021 revealed information gaps, inaccuracies, and missing ownership data for 14 publicly traded water companies serving 33 states. Water futures markets are also being launched, allowing investors to buy shares of water. Some analysts fear this will drive up the cost of living, as inflated market prices may lead to hoarding among water rights owners. A National Intelligence Council analysis highlighted a growing risk of conflict over water and migration, which could wind up creating additional demands on U.S. diplomatic, economic, humanitarian, and military resources. Some lawmakers are taking action. In May 2022, Representative Dan Newhouse released a statement on a new bill to block China from buying U.S. farmland. In June 2021, Congressman Chip Roy introduced similar restrictions on Chinese ownership of U.S. land. He warned direct Chinese investment in the U.S. economy is a major threat to the American way of life. As North Korea seeks even more nuclear weapons, discussions are swirling around whether South Korea should become a nuclear-armed country. New Zealand's Prime Minister recently resigned. Now his party faces challenges if they're going to win over rural voters. More in just a moment here on Entity News Today. North Korea wants to increase its nuclear weapons arsenal. Could South Korea join the list of nuclear-armed countries? Here's why some are pushing for that, and others say it's not a good idea. Kim Jong-un wants bigger and better nuclear weapons, calling for a, quote, exponential increase in North Korea's nuclear arsenal, a compelling reason for a growing number of South Koreans to believe that they too should have nuclear weapons. It is very striking how it's gone from really a fringe discussion to very mainstream. South Korea is protected by the US nuclear umbrella, but for some conservatives, the pledge to come to Seoul's aid, up to and including using nuclear weapons if under attack, is no longer enough. Of course, North Korea doesn't want South Korea to have nuclear weapons. Now they can ignore the South Korean military, but they will be nervous if we have enough nuclear weapons, as we have enough nuclear material to make more than 4,000 weapons. A poll conducted by Gallup Korea last September found 55% of those polled supported South Korea having its own nuclear weapons. Other polls show even higher support, but some experts say the reality would be very different. So the funny thing about nuclear weapons is that your weapons don't offset their weapons. And the best example I can think of that is look at Israel. Israel is nuclear armed, and it is terrified of Iran getting nuclear weapons. So Israel's nuclear weapons don't in any fundamental way offset the threat they feel from Iran's nuclear weapons. South Korea's President Yoon Suk-yeol also floated the idea of a nuclear program last week, speaking to his defense ministry, comments walked back by those around him. 
Yoon has been calling for stronger extended deterrence for months. Some conservatives favor redeployment of U.S. tactical nuclear weapons to the peninsula. Putting U.S. nukes back on the peninsula makes no military sense. They currently are on very hard-to-find, hard-to-target weapons platforms, and to take the weapons off of them and put them into a bunker in South Korea, uh, which is a very enticing preemptive target for North Korea. Um, what you've done is you've degraded your capabilities. Washington says that the extended deterrence is solid and the nuclear umbrella is intact. And it also points to the fact that some 28,500 US troops are permanently stationed here on the peninsula, which could have a very real tripwire effect. Outgoing Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern's Labour Party has lost its shine with New Zealand's farmers and other rural voters. And that will be a major challenge for her successor. Here's the story. I think we'll call it a day. Abroad, Jacinda Ardern was a global icon for left-leaning politics and women in leadership. But domestically, the outgoing Prime Minister struggled to connect with rural New Zealand. As a result, her party's popularity has plummeted. A major challenge for Chris Hipkins, who is set to replace her as leader of the Labour Party and the country. Farmers and rural voters say reforms by the Labour Party, meant to improve the environmental impact of farming, are costly and ineffective, and will make their products less competitive. Scotty Bright is the Auckland representative of a farming lobby group called Groundswell. He says a government proposal that farmers pay for methane emissions from their sheep and cows is among unworkable regulations. Oh, this emissions um, tax, you know, the fart tax, it's going to mean, like all these cattle here, it's going to mean three, about $330 uh, per head. So on a farm like this, it's about $130,000, $140,000 a year. Extra tax uh, farmers going to have to find. New Zealand farmers are some of the most efficient in the world. They receive minimal subsidies but compete with top economies due to good practices, good farmland and a climate amenable to year-round agriculture. Most New Zealanders live in urban areas, but farming is key to the economy in a country with five times as many sheep as people. Ardern made the shock announcement on Thursday that she was resigning, saying she had no more in the tank. I think the worst thing would be that they didn't seem to listen to the farmers. It, it appeared that they were in their own bubble um, and they didn't really know the facts that um, the farmers, you know, what the farmers deal with on a daily basis. Part of her burnout may also have been caused by rural New Zealanders falling out of love with her. Ardern won over rural voters with her effective go-hard-go-early approach to lockdowns and sealing the border. That allowed her to form the first single-party government since New Zealand adopted proportional voting in the 1990s. But tractors and pickup trucks have descended on Parliament in nationwide protests against Labour's reforms, as that vote has now largely swung back, angered at Labour's efforts, which also include plans to reduce water pollution from fertilisers and animal waste, change the leases on high country ranches and overhaul water systems. Coming up, Bangkok has opened a new railway station, the largest in Southeast Asia. Local travelers are impressed, but they're also sentimental about the old station. And in Hong Kong, there's a hotel for rabbits. It's a place where rabbit owners can leave their pets 
when they travel during the holidays. We'll have the details soon when we return. It's a new moment in the history of train travel in Thailand. The country has opened the largest train station in Southeast Asia. But for Bangkok locals, there's a mix of excitement and nostalgia. Let's take a look. An ultra-modern ticket hall. Smart robots moving around the platform. The Bang Su Grand Station has started operations in Bangkok. This long-awaited structure will be the hub for almost all domestic and international long-distance services in Thailand. This certainly will be the country's transportation hub, but to be ASEAN's hub, the Thai Chinese line must connect to the Laos Chinese line. In the south, we must connect to Malaysia and Singapore. Is this possible? As far as I have learned from being in this position, I think it is possible. The station spans over 70 acres and has four stories. It can manage up to 40 trains simultaneously and 600,000 passengers per day at peak times. The price tag for the modernization is also high, about $1 billion. I feel that this is much bigger than Hua Lampong Station and it will be able to handle many more people. Today is the first day that they moved the service from Hua Lampong and lots of people did not know that yet, so the place looks empty. On the edge of Bangkok's Chinatown stands the favorite old station, Hua Lampong. This former terminal is still the center of the Thai railroad world, but the new successor will soon take its place. I don't want the Grand Station to be moved. I'd rather it remain here. They just need to renovate this place a little bit and it will be fine. This station was opened in 1916. Designed by an Italian architect, it features a portal of neo-Renaissance style. It may look old, but offers a stylish retro atmosphere. After serving generations of Bangkokians, it's earned a special place in the country's heart. The station was built a long time ago, since the King Rama V period. It has become a historical place and has sentimental value. Had they closed it and turned it into a museum, it would have become lifeless. But if we let people continue to use it, be part of it, it's much better. When plans were made to tear it down, there was a public outcry. Authorities eventually backed off. Now the old station still serves the local and eastern routes. In Asian culture, this year is the year of rabbit. A rabbit hotel in Hong Kong is seeing a lot more business as rabbit owners travel abroad during the Lunar New Year. Welcome to Bunny Style, a rabbit hotel in busy Hong Kong. Here, rabbits can roam in a large play area and even stay overnight in cozy cages. Owner Donna Lee opened her small business in June 2022. At first, my idea was mainly to set up a safe indoor play space with a suitable temperature for rabbits. Because in Hong Kong, not many people's homes really have enough suitable space for rabbits and it's always very humid and sometimes too hot for the fluffy animals. Hong Kong recently eased COVID-19 pandemic restrictions. As more Hong Kong residents travel abroad during the new year, rabbit lovers need a temporary home for their pets. One night at this hotel costs $15 per guest, which includes unlimited hay and water, and half an hour of free hopping in the play area. And to assure pet owners, the hotel also provides 24-hour, real-time video monitoring of their rabbit. 
I'm going on holiday to Japan soon, and this is my first time leaving my rabbit in Hong Kong. And actually, I feel a bit nervous. I think the most important thing is to do enough research. I actually booked this place a few months in advance. I don't think it's a good idea just to leave my rabbit with friends or relatives because I don't know if they have the right environment for my rabbit. Like, is it the right temperature and is the floor a soft surface? The year of the rabbit also puts a spotlight on pet abandonment issues. Tello Bunny is one of the city's main rabbit adoption agencies. It's constantly looking for new homes for these fluffy animals. I don't think there's enough attention to rabbits in Hong Kong. There are only four active nonprofits organizing the adoption of rabbits. There is definitely much more attention given to pets like cats and dogs. I hope there will be more attention and resources for all kinds of abandoned animals. The agency's founder Winky Chang hopes that the Year of the Rabbit will bring more attention to the abandoned animals. Since the beginning of the month, they have already rescued 20 rabbits. The human body is highly sensitive to our environment, so everything we see and hear may affect our health. Let's explore the healing power of music and performing arts according to Chinese medicine. Here's Jenna Marie with Strong Mind and Body. Many people will tell you how much happier they feel after watching an inspiring performance. This could be a classical music concert or perhaps the ballet. Traditional Chinese medicine has a theory that may explain this, how certain types of music and performing arts can heal and nurture the mind, body and soul. Dr. Jin Duan Yang is a fifth generation Chinese medicine doctor based in Philadelphia. He is also the founder of the Young Institute of Integrative Medicine. He explains the relationship between music and health. He says that Chinese medicine sees the organ system as an energetic network centered on the five major organs. These include the liver, heart, spleen, lungs, and kidneys. These correlate to the five elements of metal, wood, fire, water, and earth. Visualized at an energetic level, the human body is an open system. It constantly interacts with energy from the environment. Everything we see, hear and feel has an effect on the vitality of our organs. This can easily influence how we think and act in our daily lives. In ancient China, one of music's earliest purposes was for healing. It was believed that traditional music could heal the heart, enrich the mind and harmonize the soul. Interestingly, the Chinese character for medicine is very similar to the character for music. Smooth, balanced sound composition is believed to help balance one's energy. Research shows that listening to this type of music lowers blood pressure, stabilizes the heart rate, relieves depression, reduces anxiety, enhances concentration and creativity, reduces the need for sedatives and painkillers during or after surgery. Shenyun is the world's premier Chinese dance company. The company's mission is to bring to life a lost culture through beautiful music and classical Chinese dance. To do this well, the artists follow traditional Chinese thought. They cultivate virtue, celebrate the divine and nurture inner goodness through meditation. This attitude affects both the artist and by extension their art, the music and dance performed on stage to their audience. This may explain the connection between music, performing arts, and healing. Many audience members say they feel deeply touched and uplifted after watching a Shenyun performance. 
And that's all for today's program. We're really glad to have you with us. If you'd like to tell us something, please send us an email at news.today at ntd.com. I'm Sue Biamba, NTD News, New York City.